Uh, I'm Gary Butterfield. Oh, fuck. I fucked this whole thing up already. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to leave. just went and did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll stay quiet this time. I'll shut the fuck up. Gary Butterfield. I'm Ryan Ike. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet where you can hear topics discussed. Gary, do you would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have something to plug? Oh, I, I, I would like to introduce myself at first by saying that uh, the first time I tried to introduce myself, I said I'm Gary Butterfield. The second time, though, I just said Gary Butterfield. So depending on how you edit that, <laughs> uh, it's definitely going to make it sound like that's how I say hi, like a Pokemon. Just grab an I'm from one of his many other podcasts, but like in a completely different room tone. Here's the soundboard. The yeah. duck feed soundboard. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> I'm. I'll grab, I'll grab the I'm from the who's the boss theme. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's a uh, winner. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I'm Gary Butterfield from duckfeed.tv, the podcast network and a uh, friend of Jim Crawford and friend of Ryan. Even though we were talking about it, we were e-friends, and now we're level two e-friends. It, feel, it feels good. Never thought I'd see the day. You can't get to level two e-friends without being on Topic Lords. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is the topic. only gateway. It's true. <laughs> Ryan, uh, it, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have something to plug? Uh, <laughs> sure. So, uh, I am a composer. And sound designer for video games. Um, I don't have anything to plug right there. Oh, wait, no, I'm a liar. I totally do. Um, a game I worked on called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is coming out on like all the consoles, uh, including Switch. So don't ask me about it at the end of the month. This month being November 2019. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and also, I just want to plug that this, this episode of Topic Lords is kind of a redemption for me, I hope. Because... The first time I was on it, I still thought the show was just called Topic Bucket, and I introduced myself as being on Topic <laughs> Bucket and being one of the Topic Buckets. You were the Topic Bucket. We yeah, agreed on this. We agreed on it. There was a whole kind of meta that I, I had in place when I signed on that wasn't actually part of the fiction or nonfiction thereof of this podcast, and I'm, I'm here to try, to try to mitigate the damage I did last time. Oh no, we we all love having a topic bucket around. It reminds us of of the past when the show used to be called the Topic Bucket. Also, um, this is the first time anybody on the show has said the month we record in, which is going to reveal to listeners the immense lead time that we have for from when an episode is recorded to when it's released. You can just, I mean, the magic of editing, dude. You can the the month is October, the year eighteen ninety nine. The planet Jupiter, like they'll never see it coming. I'll cut in the January 2020 from the Who's the Boss theme. (laughs) What a rich vein that's turned out to be. Uh, You guys ready to discuss some topics? Please. Do you you present a bucket or where do we, were we supposed to bring a bucket? Like, where do we get these topics from? Oh, you put topics in the bucket. Okay. You, you already did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did this months months ago, and you forgot. <laughs> well, this lead time, Jim. I just the um, <laughs> like uh, uh, the, the um, b- bucket comma. While mister. you're doing that, I gotta say, I was on a previous episode of the show with uh, Jim's lovely wife, April. And we had a few instances there where we kind of got real, and it was like, how do you raise a kid? And give them like secular rituals when you're not raising them like religiously and it was like oh damn like we're getting real and now i'm looking at the 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 sloppy mess in this current bucket and i gotta say like <laughs> this this episode's gonna be a very <laughs> different tone and i'm here for it so go to the topics this episode tab and then the ones that i have put up top are the ones i figure we'll probably do as the itinerary for the podcast what is this gap what is tell me the significance of this gap the gap is after which I have no longer sorted them. They're just in whatever order they came in. Okay. So it's not like this isn't what fits in the episode. This is just where you dropped the ball is what I'm sort of hearing. <laughs> it's a really reasonable, honest answer that has a lot to do with spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready to discuss topic number one? Hit yes. Me. Okay. Which is uh, Ryan. How long do you give a piece of media the benefit of the doubt before quitting it to enjoy something else in the face of basically infinite media? Good topic. Yeah, so I've been I've been struggling with it. Thank you. I've been struggling with this a lot because I've recently 
by recently, I mean within the last year and a half, I've kind of really awakened to the joy of realizing that like, can I swear on the show? I'm going to ask you that every episode I'm on, if I can be a foul-mouthed profanity go. I just, I just told uh, Fireside FM to mark every episode explicit because fuck it. <laughs> because fuck it. <laughs> because of all the fuck it. Yeah. Literally because, quote, fuck it, unquote. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, that wraps back on itself in a real satisfying way. So, um, yeah, because... Like, I used to get really bummed out. Like, there's so many new games to play, and I'm never in the current conversation about them. And there's so many, like, new Netflix shows and movies and just too much content. And then, like, two years ago or so, I was like, but that kicks ass. Like, what am I complaining about? That, like, I'm never going to run out of good shit that's explicitly for me. And so, in the face of that and realizing, like, oh, hell yeah, there's always something that I'm going to enjoy in whatever medium I'm in right now. I've kind of, (laughs) I've gone from like giving a game or a book or whatever, like a chance or several chances to being like, you, you fuck up the slightest bit, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I'm out. Like, I got to go. Like, I can play anything else right now. Like, don't make me bored for a second. And I'm wondering if that's fair. Like, what am I missing out on by doing that? Like hitting the escape hatch, like instantly. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there were definitely like, I mean, most of history, I guess, is when you would just consume whatever content was available to you and you'd be happy, like the like the shitty Spider-Man TV show in the 70s. I've heard people talk about how like, yeah, we watched that because that's what we had. And you had three channels <laughs> and Spider-Man was on two of them. The Spider-Man channel, the Iceman <laughs> channel and the Firestar channel. And those are the three that you got. <laughs> so, uh, be, be still right. my heart. I mean, (laughs) Uh, and we're in a better place in that respect where like we actually can only look at the good stuff, but it also means that we are going to miss out on stuff that's a little bit that requires a little bit more effort on our parts unless we make a point to put in the effort. It's humans are not good at this, or at least humans that have grown up with media scarcity like I'm not. I'm not prepared still to handle the the ocean of all the good stuff out there. Like I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's incredibly tough, right? I, I I think about this all the time. This is something like I think in the first episode episode of our podcast, um, you know, there's something like a, a network saying it's like don't threaten me with boredom. Um, you know, right. when, when I, and specifically talking about games, but it's kind of true of lots of stuff. I think you had to be very careful, uh, with that because of, you know, there being all of that media out there. Um, and it's hard because yes, you don't want to just bounce off of anything remotely challenging because a lot of stuff that's really enriching is challenging at the same time though. Uh, I know that I will die and I will fill up the time between now and when I die with stuff. Like I will consume things in between now and then, uh, and having a completionist mindset or feeling like there's a right way to kind of do it outside of whatever ends up just kind of making me the happiest, uh, feels like, like an impossible task. And from a creator's perspective, it, it changes things too, because, and people are still doing, people are still making games as if you have infinite time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the the games that want to take up all your time and they can do that by like, it could be a game like threes where this is just a game you could literally play forever or it can be a game like, like Red Dead Redemption where there's so many things to do in this game that you could do it for a hundred hours and not run out of stuff. Yeah. And people do. Like I know people who like, that's the only thing they do. They, they play that one game and that's it. Right. And I guess that's a that that's a validation of a kind where like we we didn't just put this stuff in there. People are actually getting value out of it. It's not a complete waste of time. Uh, And also like the market kind of demands it like because gamers are like in their 40s now and they grew up where like, you know, you got a game on your birthday and on Christmas and it had to last. Uh they demand uh, many, many hours of playtime, even though it doesn't really make sense for a lot of them. Like, I know people who, like, buy JRPGs still, like, on a regular basis and never play them because who has time for that shit? But they just keep buying them because that's the genre they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then you were what a weird intersection of this. So I like, I definitely noticed that. Um, and then I think about, you know, even as somebody who doesn't like tons of perpetual 
you know, games like, and I, I will play a long game from time to time, but those kind of like Red Deads or even something more like Destiny where it's designed to literally be infinite, like they're going to continually update it, uh, update it. Um, I don't really go in for those. Um, but even for myself, like I run into a weird, uh, mind flood with this concept when i start thinking about replaying things or re-watching things or rereading things and i have a guilt that comes from that oh yeah uh, sometimes Same. which is which is yeah, an insane feeling like that just feels like it, it's it makes no sense that i should feel guilty but i do you know because i'm just like well i'm not going to get uh to all this other stuff even if i do try to make choices that are like oh the things that i enjoy are at least somewhat enriching and finite you know, I'm still uh, still kind of spinning my wheels, but then I get more out of it and I'm also happier or, you know, life is so complicated. Like maybe that's just what I needed. Like me watching you know, an episode of The Simpsons I've seen 40 times can be medicinal, not enriching. Like it's not fulfilling a purpose of art at that point. And I think that that same thing happens with like replaying games or uh, even down to a granular level of like purchasing some of those things, like somebody who buys every new JRPG or buys every big open world game. Um, the act of just kind of having that as part of their identity and picking at it when they can, I think can sometimes fulfill like almost a medicinal uh, quality to people. Like it just yeah. feels good. Like you get a little bit of pleasure from buying and that's also has some worthwhileness. Like all of this stuff has a worth, you know, a worth outside of just its value as art, you know? What? Yeah. There is, there's yeah. definitely like, there is some joy to be found in like supporting your favorite artists, even if you never actually still consume their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm guilty of that constantly. I will go to like art fairs with my wife and stuff like local, local stuff like that and see like a print or a poster. And I'm like, that is so cool. Like I'm going to grab this. And then it, they're all sitting like in a closet, like mm -hmm. they're not displayed. And I, I feel bad about that sometimes, but I'm like, but that artist still got my money and gets to continue creating in a small part because of me. And like, is that, so bad is that something i should agonize over and i don't really think it is yeah you're, you're keeping you're paying to keep the spigot going uh, yeah. and that's and you know that's something i've, I've you know done done my best in and largely successfully come to peace with because it's it can feel really impractical but i think that it is uh you know there's lots of ways in which those kind of acts can be good you know even totally. just down to you like maybe it was just fun for you like even if it wasn't just supporting the artists it's like hey like i saw this cool thing and i got to hold it and i went out and i got to go down to an art fair and look at all the art and everything like you can consider the kind of financial cost or like emotional cost of having that object um as part of the price you pay for that experience of going and shopping for art you know which is which is yeah. fun inherently like that's just kind of like a fun enriching yeah. experience more than the the outside of the thing you get Totally. The act of doing it. I think the like the the dangerous end of this one end of the spectrum is feeling like and I've, I've been guilty of this every now and then I verge on it is like min maxing how much like how much enjoyment and fun you're going to have before you're a, a pile of inanimate carbon. You know, like mm -hmm. all, all, no matter even if you're enjoying something kind of thinking about like, but should I quit this? Because there's again infinite media could i be enjoying something else more and like if you catch yourself doing that i feel like that's and i have like that's when you're fucking up because like okay now you're poisoning everything for yourself like you're always searching for the best possible thing and you're never going to know if that's actually what you're enjoying so like yeah and that's the that's really the trick like the the kid who's watching spider-man in the, in the 70s the shitty spider-man tv series is is not asking, are there better things I could be watching on TV? Because no, probably not. Like, mm -hmm. you, And you can just check in two seconds. Right. They could look um, in on Iceman's Christmas Spectacular on the other channel and be like, oh, this, this kind of sucks, <laughs> actually. It's already snowing. What's he going to do? It's, and then they flip back. And it's cool. <laughs> it's, <laughs> what was the other one? Topic Man? <laughs> I'm a topic boy. I'm not going to take... I'm neither Lord nor Man nor Bucket. You can be a lord at the end of the episode after you graduate. I'm just a topic lad right now. I'm not sure if this happened um, as because I was an I'm now an adult, or if it happened because of the internet. But in order to get anything done, I have to like shut out all the other things that I feel like I need to be doing with my life. I need to shut that shit down in my mind before I can get anything done at all. Yeah, it's just a matter of like like just pretending that. You don't have anything else to do. Uh, and that was something that, you know, when I was a teenager, it came so easily. Like I would do one thing all day and 
it's a really effective way to get things done. Totally. And I will say for as a kind of my final, not to end this in this topic, but like, I think the last thought I have on it is like how I ended up submitting this topic was realizing that like my value right now in especially games is like finding out that a game is supposedly good and is like four hours long. I'm always like, hell yeah. Like I can finish that. Mm -hmm. And and yet if you follow me on Twitter, you have seen that it's riddled with final fantasy 14 crap, which is a game I'm still baffled that I'm enjoying because it's built out of building blocks. I despise. And yet I'm having fun. And that's a trillion hours long. And I keep catching myself going like, okay, am I kind of, hurting myself by playing this basically infinite experience and it's like you know i've I've sort of reached a a place on it where i'm like maybe but like if i'm enjoying myself and i'm not hurting anybody like what's the harm if i hit a point where it is becoming a chore i I know myself well enough to know i will quit so why feel bad about it yeah ryan i think i can fix this for you actually please do it I didn't know that we were getting topic solutions from this. I'm looking forward to <laughs> I would really love to be cured of this disease, actually. So if you can make that happen. There's a thing where from like an airline's perspective, most of their flights can be empty. But from the passenger's perspective, most of the flights they go on are full. And both things can be true at once because most passengers are going to be on the, the the flights with the other passengers on them. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm explaining this very well. I, there's another uh, kind of example for this that's really good, where I think in is either World War One or World War Two. The successful, I, I think it was like all of these like fighter planes. Um, they found out uh, had this like certain kind of like coating on the metal and they were like okay though this one is this is the most uh successful coding or whatever this is these are the best fighter planes and then realized like oh this is actually a really small sample of our fighting fighter planes this is just the ones that don't crash i think i messed up that that war example you know guys i'm a bit of a world war buff (laughs) ryan now you fail at explaining this (laughs) (laughs) but doing like a history channel uh on a like a a 3 p.m on a sunday kind of way like i did Sure. So. Yeah. See, you guys have heard of the Battle of the Bulge. Well, yeah. Um, I <laughs> yeah, I haven't. So this is going to be rough. But basically, what I think <laughs> happened, <laughs> um, I think from between the two of you, sort of getting like forty percent there, I can kind of cobble together what <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> B minus, B minus between the two of us. My point is that like you can love all the short games you want. And it only takes one long game for you to feel like, for you to just be posting about this one long game over and over again and thinking like, why aren't I posting about more, more, more short games? Well, it's because you played them and you're done with them. Whereas you just, you, you keep coming back to the long game because it's long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And it's, it's so hard to argue with fun as well. Well, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it's like self-soothing, that counts mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, Oh, part of the reason why people, uh, the best like metaphor I heard for, cause I, I never like really understood game service games like destiny and someone described it, um, like a YouTube channel described it as basically, um, like watching law and order. Yeah. It's always on and it's good enough. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes you just need that. That's fine. I absolutely yeah. have a, one of my best friends is this like crazy high performing, uh, like sound designer and like businessman. He's like, you know, just one of these people who's like always like on his game and like always networking, just always doing all this crazy high profile shit. And he loves destiny. And it's for exactly that reason. It's like, he's just, my brain shuts off and I literally couldn't think about anything if I tried playing this. And like that, mm. that has a value, I think. No friction. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are you guys ready for the next topic? I have been staring at it this whole time, just kind of waiting for my topic to be over so we can <laughs> <laughs> so we can get cracking. All right, Gary, you have here, all food screams when you eat it. What does society look like now? There's two question marks there. I think that the, the intended cadence is, what does society look like now? Uh, <laughs> like in this scenario, maybe I made it so this happened. What happens to your sad little play world now that I've done this? You know, it's got... Yeah, I'm topic joker. If, if the, this seems like if you were to pick one trick, this would be your trick. This I is a good see. trick. So are we are we talking like, like it just started happening? Mm-hmm. It happens one day, like tomorrow at 6 a.m. Okay, so people don't like associate screaming with deliciousness. Because that's a different <laughs> yeah. question. Like if... 
the advertising landscape alone, if we associated screaming with everything tasting, it would be a nightmare from which there's no escape. Four city blocks around McDonald's would be deafening. I'm loving it! I'm loving it! I'm never not loving it! Oh, they scream phrases. Oh, no. no. The the food could, could, I mean, I didn't, we could, we could discuss it. Like, if this, this could, food just screams like advertising slogans for the food or just raises its own awareness. You know, string right. cheese. You know, like it, I would, I would. That feels very different to me than if it just yells. That hadn't occurred to me that it could be a non-agonized, like a shriek of joy, even like an exuberant, exultant. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're screaming, I'm loving it, and your fucking your quarter pounder of cheese is just like me too, and like you're both getting getting quarter pounded. Now I'm, I'm circling kind of back around on this. There would definitely be people like who just skipped breakfast mm-hmm. and they were like what with the what your food screams that's crazy yeah 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 you would imagine the news reports you know everyone would remember where they were when they when they saw it. it'd be like a moon landing kind of thing. i think we can we can all agree the deaf would just eat with impunity nothing could touch them <laughs> like it wouldn't there could be like an incredibly delicious like the the i don't know i don't like fragua but like something of that echelon of food where it's like it's like a bomb went off in your head when that thing shrieks. Like you have to really pay for it. And like, there'd be a subset of the the population. It's just like, whatever, man, I do it whenever I want. Is the idea like the more delicious and cruel the food is, the louder it is. That's sort of where I'm getting at. Yeah. (laughs) You have to pay a sonic price. The peels of veal. Uh, they just like shatter the silence. (laughs) I was going to say people would start wearing earplugs to eat, but no, the food is like screaming inside your head as you eat it. Yeah, imagine a psychic mm-hmm. scream for sure. It's not, and actually, that's I don't mean to be the guy who like picks apart fun hypotheticals like this, but I do have to know. Like, <laughs> a, well, I have so many questions, but I'll start with: Do do other people around you hear your 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 veggie grilled chicken sandwich like fucking shrieking into the air, or is it just you? In in my mind, it was not psychic. Um, it was, it was, it's a literal sound. Okay. But if it's a psychic scream, then that could be like many deaf people's first, first sound. That'd be very exciting. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> everyone remembers the time they got subway and learned to hear. <laughs> the, they, <laughs> they could learn to communicate that way. A one chicken nugget per letter and the different shape confer- confers different sounds. <laughs> Very good. You eat them all in order to get the message. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mystery in this new world. Like, that's a thriller. Like, seven, two, eight. Uh, and it's both words of eight. And in that one, uh, they, they send a bunch of clues through McNuggets. Oh, shit. That would change the landscape of TV, of all James Patterson books. Like, this, this goes all the way to just above or below the middle. I... I also think about the fact that if other people can hear the screams, any food court is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And I assume everybody has like everybody would just have like tiny little hyperbolic chambers in their house where like you go to mow down on some white cheddar cheese. It's because like, you know, your wife's asleep. Yeah. Lots of sleeping with earplugs. Schools like, you know, none of that. Um, everyone has their own lunch period stuff. Like everyone's got to eat it once or no one's going to get any learning done. It's just, you know, it's just like the wailing of the ghosts of Hades or whatever. Like just all at once echoing through, you know, K Hamilton Middle School. Or even all of society. Like you can only eat in the first five minutes of the hour. Mm. Yeah, the eating minutes. <laughs> yeah, the screaming minutes. The, um, yeah, the screaming, <laughs> screaming and eating minutes. I think it would be very difficult. I think that I hope that this topic doesn't come true. That was one of the things I was thinking about with this because I think it would be hard. No, this is a curse reality. Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. That's every one of these topics comes true. I didn't tell you about that. No. Rule. <laughs> Wishmaster reporting for duty. <laughs> There's a price to being a topic lord. <laughs> oh man, I uh. mm, I can't see. I don't. There's so much. There's so much going on here. Because I can see humanity, like, chemically deafening themselves before they will try to find a way to make food stop screaming. You know what I mean? Like, we would just excise that sense before we would stop. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that as well. Like, um, you know, some some kind of, you know, there there's treatments for noise. There's things people do for noise now. And I think those would be a big deal. Um, but like Jim said, it's in your mouth. So even earplugs, even headphones wouldn't help that much. It'd probably help a little bit. <laughs> it's just going to echo your skull. It would help everybody else. Yeah. Well, also, like, 
If you eat an entire sandwich, when you bite through the layers, does the bread and the lettuce and the tomato and the cheese and the meat all scream separately? When you eat a handful of M&Ms, do they all scream as like a wailing chorus or is it kind of just a, a hive mind? Like... They, they, it's like a barbershop quartet <laughs> where they sing a, <laughs> we're in pain <laughs> uh, what do you call the the barbershop seventh the 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 one that's like slightly flat from the chromatic one i think what ryan you don't know this <laughs> i i really hope you're not talking to me because i definitely don't know what that is you follow my work. It's only like eighty to eighty to eighty five percent barbershop. Like I'm not a complete actor. <laughs> That's fair. You know, like <laughs> oh shit, we didn't. If if we could solve one of these topics, like Jim said earlier, like this would really, if we could solve one, this would be the one I would kind of want solved. And it doesn't feel like we're going to approach that. And I'm just going to have to kind of live live with this idea for the rest of the evening. What what would solving this look like? Do you do you want to know what society would actually look like Wait, now? No, I, solving it would. Or do you want solving to, it would be like humanity learns to photosynthesize, and like we don't have to fuck with food anymore. Like we, oh, the screaming, the the day the day of silence. Sh- sure. So if you get like if if like you get an IV drip with like a glucose drip, does the glucose scream as it goes into your vein? It whispers. <laughs> Oh, that's much better. <laughs> Would argue that that's <laughs> each individual granule. So, and it only whispers the time you're going to die. So, that's sugar for you. <laughs> I think the way we solve this is by it not coming true. And I think that just putting this idea in there, it's like, well, we should try to do what we can to make sure this doesn't happen. We should be acting on this now. All the income from this month's Patreon, <laughs> I'm donating to. Yeah. Vote no on Prop 202. <laughs> I'm going to email my representatives and just hastily Photoshop a mouth onto a onto a quesadilla and be like, is this the reality you want? You need to act. Are you guys ready for the next topic? Mm-hmm. Born ready. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the uh, SP-1200, which is a... Um, a sampler from, I believe, the late 80s that uh, was very big in the hip-hop scene. It was the first uh, sampler workstation that uh, you could use as, like, your primary music-making device. And it also it was portable, and it, you could, like, sample drum hits from vinyl and make a composition entirely in this one device and save it to a floppy disk. Uh, and this thing, like, had, uh, it had it has 256K of RAM... And hell yeah, uh, and so you could sample up, yeah, up to about up to about ten seconds of of uh, of material, and it has this very particular sound because it's uh, it's a twelve bit sampler, but internally it stores its samples at eight bits, and so there's a, like a kind of a, a a weird compression algorithm to make that happen, um, and because of this technical detail, and because it was so popular it kind of became this fetish item where it does have a particular sound but it's also just a collectible and people want to especially nowadays like you can you go on ebay and you see these the sp 1200 for five thousand dollars and it's much much less powerful of course than any modern sampler including like a cheap laptop Mm. but it's it's it it People want to use, like, this is the thing that, and I, now here's where I should be able to name a single rap producer that I know used it, but I don't, uh, but so-and-so <laughs> uh, used to do this album. Uh, and I think this is a really, con- you see this with, like, guitars, where people want a very sp- very particular guitar, for example. And I just think it's a really interesting phenomenon of, like, maybe it's because maybe you don't know that you could be as uh, as an effective as a creator as your hero but you know you can get the same equipment like the idea that they're not doing it for practical reasons like they could recreate the sound and that effect easily but it's like the totemic power of of the the artifact yeah i think so like you can get um you can get plugins that give you the uh, the 12 bit sampler sound you you run into that stuff too like with like instrument auctions and stuff you know, where somebody like buys, you know, even outside of a memorabilia, but like, it's like, well, we recorded this song with like Kurt Cobain's guitar, you know, th- things, things yeah. like that. Um, and I, and I, I kind of get that, but it is weird at a certain point, like at a certain dollar amount, it does become, I think of it as like almost any other kind of 
just really, really out there luxury. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, and I also, I am somebody who, uh, and this is, you know, somebody who, who makes music is not my best quality, but I've got a, I don't have a great ear. Like I've got a real caveman ear. So a lot of this stuff like that, where someone's like, Oh yeah, no, this is this very specific guitar from this very specific year that has these very specific qualities. So it can make this sound and it, I can't hear the difference like mm-hmm. particularly well. Uh, yeah. I, and I can't either. And Ryan, we were talking about this earlier. I think a lot of that stuff People who think they can hear the difference are fooling themselves. Mm. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. I would 100 percent agree. I've talked to so many people in in various segments of like the audio community, and almost nobody believes that that stuff is true. Like, there's quality up to a ceiling, and then it's like anything that's meant to appeal just to quote unquote like audiophiles or that uh, you know that related segment of any other community. Like, it's kind of just there to appeal to exactly this thing where it's like i'm getting this because it's the cool thing to get and maybe you trick yourself into thinking you can hear it but like i've never you know i'm i'm not even using like the greatest headphones that i can afford right now because the ones i have are fine and it's a way to extract money out of people like in like in a real way like this is this is a capitalism problem Like in in a lot of ways, like, you know, the the idea, I mean, specifically that's audiophile stuff, not necessarily like vintage gear. I wonder, I wonder if there's like a, is there somebody selling like, this is the exact microphone and headset setup that PewDiePie uses. (laughs) And like there's his, his like cartoon faces is on it. Like his endorsement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) I thought nothing was going to top the gross that factor of the previous, uh, topic but here we are oh we'll 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 keep it going i promise we're just gonna drill down this whole podcast till i can't stand to live inside my own body (laughs) um yeah it's it's interesting because i feel like every community like anything you could be into has this shit right like i i'm i enjoy cooking i'm not amazing at it uh similar to gear it's like the best thing i do but i i like it and i think because of it being more of a hobby that i enjoy i'm sort of inundated a little or excuse me like insulated from the that that level of thing for that community like i know what all the quote-unquote like best knives are and like what people who are really really into cooking tell me i should be using it's just like but my i can cut a tomato just fine like i don't need to go buy like an 800 stuff or whatever it is you know it's just like but at the same time if it was like 100 percent my like main thing that i love to do in life it wasn't just like a hobby i could see being pulled more towards your values change a little bit with that. Exactly. Yeah. Cause, cause there, there is that you mentioned, um, the like terminal velocity, uh, of, uh, quality, right? Like at a certain point, cost and kind of status does correlate with quality. Um, and then at a certain point, it certainly doesn't. And then the line there where it doesn't is fuzzy. You know, like if, if you were very serious about, about cooking, maybe at that point, the like, knife makes sense, but the $10,000 knife doesn't, you know, like everyone can probably agree. The $10,000 knife is this weird, like those ones are made out of like meteors or whatever. Right. Like, you know, they're like the weird casting. Yeah. These dinosaur bones, like this is the, you know, this is, this is made of a relic. This is a saint's ear that we've sharpened, you know, that kind of thing. Like everyone can agree. That's just a status symbol. And depending on where you're at in relation to that hobby, the, the $500 knife also feels like a status symbol. You know, your, your sensitivities change as you get more involved in a subculture. And do you think that now I want to see the auction for the guitar that's made out of Kurt Cobain's bones, mm. <laughs> the ossuary guitar, 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 I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. Dark. Dark. Poor Francis Bean. I sort of thought yeah. that one was going to be a reprieve, and then it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. The end of it, we're talking about this rock legend being bone morphed into a fucking Stratocaster. There's no, there's no breaks here, Ryan. It's, you can tell you what. Instead of looking at the, the spreadsheet, why don't you open up some pictures of kittens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snowflake. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I think that if if Kurt Cobain, if he if he were alive today and we said, listen, Kurt, I don't know you, but we're going to turn you into a guitar. You get down with that. He might say yes, as long as it wasn't like Axl Rose playing him, you know, like, I think he might be okay with it if it was like, you know, oh, this is, this is a, a in a, a children's music school in, in Spokane or whatever. Like maybe he'd be all right with it. Yeah. I would totally be down for my bones being used for something cool. As long as like a billionaire didn't end up with them. Yeah. 
As long as he's an electric and not an acoustic. Because those have holes. And I don't know why that makes it more uncomfortable for me. That's where the marrow goes, Ryan. <laughs> you, you idiot. Don't you know anything about human anatomy? <laughs> think about guitars? Marrow goes in that hole. It's the most delicious part of the guitar. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to learn. Let's do the next one. <laughs> okay. All I'm thinking all about right. between what Jim said and what Gary said is kittens being morphed into weird fucking bone guitars. And like, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> this Google image search isn't helping at all. That doesn't sound like self-soothing in any, in any capacity. All right. Uh, this is a write-in. Uh, Shadow asks, if you had anything close to Kojima's level of auteur power in your field, what would you create slash do with it? Uh, I'm mostly interested in uh, Gary's answer here. If you could spend $100 million making a single podcast, mm. what would it look like? Yeah. Um, you know, this, this, I always, whenever these kind of dream answers are always kind of boring because I'm doing pretty close to what I want to do with that. Like, I'm actually like really happy with, with our work and, and my creative life. But I think that like what I think about with this is if I had that kind of our tour power and could just get somebody to give me a lot of money, I think that I would probably... Uh, you know, but this is a time concern. It's not a money concern. Like I, I like the idea of a very ambitious, like fiction, you know, podcast with high audio production values. I think that sounds really fun, uh, and cool, but to make time for that, I'd have to quit all my current shows, which I love doing. So yeah, sorry for the non-answer. I don't, I don't mean to, to be a topic, uh, a topic knave. <laughs> the, the kind of like our tour stuff too. Like I, I just, I feel like when somebody is called a genius enough times, like it breaks them. It's yeah. It's not good for you. Yeah. I mean, hell, like I, I and a lot of people I knew grew up as geniuses and like, like what I needed, um, was therapy, you know, not gifted classes. Yeah. I, I think that's probably very common actually. I, yeah, I would be better off if I had, and I, I grew up in a very like east, relatively easy, like loving home and all that stuff. But like if I had maybe had someone made me think about myself more <laughs> instead of just telling me I was so great. I think I'd probably be better off now. So um, <laughs> that said, if I, I'm in the same boat as Gary, unfortunately with this, it's actually pretty fortunate. <laughs> it's not unfortunate that we're in this boat. It's a great boat, man. Good boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a lousy boat. <laughs> I hate this gilded boat. Um, I, I, I get to do the fucking stupid dream I had since I was a little kid. When it wasn't feasible, by the way, and it became feasible as I became an adult, basically, like right around the time I could get into it, I was making game music. So I would, if I had like auteur power, I would just like, I would make, I would be able to put together a team solely for me to have a game suitable of my vanity soundtrack. That's like the only thing I would get to do with it. Like I've always wanted to do like a, not always, but actually it's a recent thing, but ever since my wife put the idea in my head and then the project I was going to do it on fell through, I'm like, fuck, of doing like a, a soundtrack you could paint on the side of a van. You know what I mean? Like, like I want to do, I want to yeah. do like a, a big like wizard metal soundtrack with like the whole oh, cheesy sure. lyrics and shit. Like I would fucking lose my shit, but it has to be a very specific type of game. And I, you know, I need that project just to be a vehicle for my dumb album I want to make. And you could say, can't you yeah. just make the album on your own? And like, no, you're not listening. Yeah, <laughs> I have to a fucking Tetris clown. Aren't you listening at all? If you had this power, Ryan, what if um, you could just make music that you wanted to make and then you hired a studio to make a game around it? Like you just made an album and then somebody, a whole team of developers and game designers had to make the game that matched the album after you did the music. I mean, that's the dream, honestly, like, but except I get full creative control throughout the process and I'm insufferable. Like, let's be real. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's going to change genres and team scope and like, it's going to be massively multiplayer at one point, And then it's going to be like uh, a shmup the next, like, I'm going to, I'm going to really, if I'm going to be an auteur, like I'm going to be an auteur. I'm not going to like, yeah, you're, you're going to walk through these halls, like micromanaging people and also like handing them hundred dollar bills. Oh yeah. I'm going <laughs> to slap my creative lead in the face like Jonathan blow. And then they'll write a think piece about how like my fingerprints changed like, the worlds of their face. <laughs> like how they view creativity. Like that's what I want. The like, current me doesn't want to do that. That's awful. But if you turned me into an auteur, I assume the huge loathsome personality comes yes. with it. And then I'm just going to lean into it. Some monsterism implied. Yeah, that, I, 
I, I know you asked this, Jim, and you said that you're interested in, in our answers, but I am interested in your answer to this because one of the things, so as, as somebody who is annoyed by, uh, Hideo Kojima, um, one of the only reasonable reasons to be annoyed by him, huh. like the real reason is I just find it annoying and I, I, who knows, you know, but one of the only reasonable reasons, yeah, I don't feel like I need to justify it, but one of the only reasonable like arguments I've seen about this kind of thing is that like this guy gets a blank check to do whatever he wants and that there are people with equally strong or unusual or singular visions who don't have nearly that opportunity. Uh, and that being kind of a cosmic unjustness. And I think that Jim, I think you're somebody with, you know, a, a unique and, and singular vision and also not that opportunity. Like, you know, you have opportunity, but not like, you know, Kojima opportunity. So I would, I would be curious as to see what, what you would do with this, uh, with this topic when it comes true. Yeah, I um I think it would be interesting to see what a what a a AAA frog fractions reveal would be. Like take the, the Glitterman glow of paradigm glow of paradigm and like change change it up so both of the like the 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 outer, outer game and also the game that's hidden in it's inside it both have a AAA budget. I think that would be pretty incredible, but but only because of the audacity of spending that much money on it. Like a lot of the value of presumably you enjoy the game itself, but also like in the back of your head, it adds value that like, I can't believe someone spent this much time doing this bullshit, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and like hiding it so that it's hard to find even. <laughs> but like, honestly, if I were given a, that kind of budget and a blank check um, and told to make a video game, I would want to. I would I would want to make something that like would be completely uninteresting to most gamers I think. Like I feel like the gamers have this enormous multi-billion dollar comfort and entertainment engine directed like pointed right at their face. These are the most like one of the most overserved demographics in the world of of any sort of artistic medium. Um and I would love to point that comfort engine and entertainment engine at people who actually like who actually need it. Like, for example, like immigrant detainees, like what would a video game, what would mm. a triple AAA video game for them look like? Uh, and the reason like nobody's doing that is because you can't make money doing it. Like they don't have money. Uh, and the problem with that idea, like with me making that game is that I'm not, I don't know what they want. I don't, even if I like, even if I had the budget and the, the go ahead, I wouldn't know what kind of game they would want to play because I am one of the 40-year-old gamers who's had the the comfort engine directed at his face for his entire life. So, like, I'm really only capable of making the kind of game that um, other 40-year-olds who, like, played PC and NES games would like. Like, it feels limiting in that respect. It's it's hard to, it'd be hard to do good with the premise. You know, you're talking about, like, serving an underserved demographic yeah. with that. But that, to me, that doesn't feel particularly auteur Like, that feels like... Yeah, I can't think of one example of an auteur doing that. To be like, honest, I think the 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 auteur idea, like if you take it to its extreme, like what Kojima is doing, like at least ostensibly, is making a game for the, making exactly the game he wants to make, which is the ultimate the ultimate like fixed demographic. Like you're making a game for just one person, effectively, uh, and expanding that to a few thousand people is 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 not that much different. There's something there. It's it's interesting too. I think about something like that where you have that budget. When I think about um, you know, like that that scenario where you like make a game like that for that underserved population, and I think that part of the reason why um, you know, our demographic has had the comfort hose po- uh, pointed at us, or one reason it it makes sense that we've had the comfort hose pointed at us is because we are relatively without need. You know, like if I try to imagine the game that those those immigrants would want, I'm sure that there's like a million other things they'd rather have that effort and money spent on more. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, I could take the hundred million dollar budget and and put it into lawyers, you know? Yeah, yeah. We just have no needs. So that's why we get the comfort hose. We have no needs. So our wants are all that's left. No needs and a lot of money. Yeah. Batting, Batting four for four on depression. I'm the one percent. I have everything I need apparently, and that's why I get everything for point of that. Oh god. Do I eat myself? I don't Yeah, when when they say when, when they say eat the rich, they don't mean the most self-actualized. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's it's not like relatively rich. Or or it is like relatively rich. 
you know, not in comparison. Like there's always like, it's so it's, it's all like, uh, there's always so much up and so much down, you know, like where we're at, like, it's a really interesting place to be in. And that like consumer comfort hose place, because like, you know, I, none of us are, are wealthy, uh, but we're also just compared to humanity in general, like doing really well. Well, yeah. And like yeah. the, our, our culture is an extremely wealthy culture. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of um, being less depressing, uh, Gary, you have here, how would you be useful in a post-apocalypse? Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for this for me, but I, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, what do you guys, like, post-apocalypse, the, the screaming vegetables is caused, caused World War Three or whatever. And uh, now, you know, we're, we're in fallout times. Like, what do you do? What do? How do you make yourself useful? How do you avoid becoming food for raiders? I've actually thought about this <laughs> like uh, a kind of pathetic amount because I'm very aware that I work in the arts and entertainment and like the second those mushroom clouds clear dog like I'm a meal like I gotta go <laughs> like there's so much more I, you know there are so many more needs that I feel like need to be met before like someone needs like a chiptune rendition of like carry on my wayward son <laughs> you know um so if my if my if my family doesn't cross into this horrible post reality with me, like if I'm not if I'm just me, I think the the best thing I do is like I I like dance naked in a cage for some warlord or something. Like I ingratiate myself to like whoever's like got like top dog status in that area because like what do I do? What do I do? You know. So I assuming like we have reformed into like. Dunbar number level like size tribes that are trying to like or villages that are trying to like scrape out a living together um i wonder whether we won't like and, and we're all kind of in the same position where we're basically entertainers for a living uh and i wonder whether uh, at that scale people wouldn't especially like cuz no there's no longer the global world engine of of entertainment um, dumping entertainment on everybody at once. I wonder whether at that scale people wouldn't start to value it more mm. to the point where like you might just have a couple guys in your village who all they do is like like all they do is that they're funny. Like Talk about Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the, <laughs> it's a very specific village. <laughs> I think it depends where uh, if this is like an immediate post-apocalypse, it's like the few months or a year or so after it happened. Uh, people like us are fucked. But if, if this is like a, a half decade, a decade in where society is kind of forming into tribes or whatever and like we're trying to get some of those creature comforts back i could see trying to assemble myself into like a bard figure except like fuck me i still play piano and like those are going to be hard to come by it's not like i can just strap a mandolin to my back you know so like I, i'm gonna have to pick up a kazoo or something or or get real good at the spoons <laughs> there's there's definitely i think there will be room for entertainment of some kind i just so I, I think about like you know, as society is reestablished, so there is room for, for entertainment and we're in these smaller villages. It just, in some ways it's less competitive in other ways. It's much more competitive because like you're not competing with everyone, but also the village doesn't need that many guys talking about dark souls, you know, at the, at the best it's two, you know, and that's, that's, that's being basically, I'd have to, you know, me or Cole would have to fight to the death to see who gets to remain and be the token. No. Yeah, one of you would have to blend in the other while weeping. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, but it had to yeah. come to this. Like, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a good answer for me. I just think it's an interesting question. Like, I think inner, I don't, I can't do anything useful. Um, I'm not handy. I don't know how to hunt or procure things. I'm not particularly strong. Like, I'm not particularly healthy. Um, so it would be, it'd be really tricky uh, for me. And this is, well, you, you could cook, Ryan. Like, you just said you could cook. Like, you could become like the village cook. God, but that's the thing is like I'm I'm like a hobbyist chef. Like there would be if there's any actual like professional even just like a line cook or something who makes mm. it. So like fucking Ralph from Burger King it had maybe knows more about how to prepare food for a lot of people really fast than how to prepare like one bespoke stir fry for like two people. <laughs> right. You know, so like I'm still gonna have to fight that complete teenager to the death. If you if you're in a village with like a hundred people in it and you're pretty good at something like a hundred out of a hundred people, there's a decent chance that you're going to be the best one at it. Mm, yeah. 
That is that is a comforting thought. I think right now I feel like I would end up being kind of a Millhouse figure, where I, I my glasses are crazy thick. I can probably start a couple fires. Has that has that happened accidentally so far? By the way, you just leave them on the nightstand, and like suddenly you you wake up and the the, the floor is smoking. I, I know you're joking. Like this is a bit. It has literally happened in my lifetime. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I've always had a crazy thick prescription and sidebar, some fucking quack optometrist when I was a kid was like, if your frames are bigger, the lenses will be thinner. And he had that backwards. So for like most of my teenage years, I had super huge, like old Navy lady frames, like from those 90 commercials and then crazy thick Hubble telescope glasses. And I was just wandering around going like, well, thank God I don't have tinier frames. Imagine how fucking crazy those would be. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't until I was like 18 where I, I realized optometrist with an actual license on his wall and a degree and shit it was like you know if your frames are smaller so i was like laying on my stomach reading a book outside when i was like 16 and the sun was just kind of hitting me just right and the glass the grass in front of me started to smoke vigorously let me say but like that's that's still not an inherent ability you can just take the glasses off my face and then i'm like a nearsighted loser who you can machete anytime you want you know so i'm trying to think like what's in what's inherent what do I have? And it's like, I can, I don't know. I, uh, I can crack my left toe knuckle. That's nothing. I can say the alphabet backwards. Fuck. It's like everything that I can do that makes me special. is not going to cut it. So I got to kill Ralph. That's what it is. I have to make sure that nobody from the nearby Applebee's is in this village or survives to tell anyone. And then I'll, I'll be the one cutting your green onions. So I think that's what I have. We're not, we're not pulling up, guys. I thought this was... <laughs> we're, not, we're failing to pull up. What's your, what's your special non-game developer skill? What do you feel like oh. you can bring to a survivalist situation? Fuck, I don't know. I'm good at talking about topics. <laughs> like, Are there still going to be top, topics in the post-apocalypse? I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I... <laughs> I don't like board games, so I couldn't still be a game designer. <laughs> don't you think it's funny that everybody wants this one particular brand of diesel axe, but it's really not that much better than the regular diesel axe that you can make from you? <laughs> this, this artisanal, like this is one of the original vintage post-apocalyptic like street signs carved into a battle axe. Yeah, it vibrates at A4440. People claim they can't hear it, but I don't know. I feel like I can talk better. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Like, I aside from like generally being like being being the kid who was a genius in grade school, which is like that's got to be worth something. <laughs> that's like that's not that's like two lifetimes ago by this point. Right. <laughs> um, I just thought of one for me, and I would hate doing this. Um, but I'm weirdly I'm good with kids. I don't. My wife and I don't want kids. Um. But I, you know, I teach a few piano lessons on the side and I, I'm able to get a good rapport with children. So like maybe I could like set up like a daycare situation. So all the parents who actually have skills that they can contribute to society and somebody can go off and do that shit. And I just like hmm. pull their dumb toddlers around in a wagon or something and tell them stories. Like I could see, I could see making that work. And that's like my one like legit answer to this question. I think if, yeah, if I could get people to trust me. Trust the guy with the enormous eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I look very innocent. I'm very, I'm very kitten-like at the right <laughs> angles. Uh, yeah, that's a real skill. That's a, that's a genuinely useful uh, skill in the, in the after world. All right. Uh, do you guys want to do one more and then call it for the night? Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. All right. Ryan, Ryan, you have here, why can't we run in a non-athletic setting? I, I love this question because I, I first read it and it didn't make sense. And I thought about it. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a pretty good question. <laughs> like, <laughs> why you can't just like, I need to get to the store a little bit faster. I'm just going to run. And if you did, you'd be the world's biggest weirdo. Like if you weren't doing it for exercise or something. Right. And I, thank you. And I and I I know some answers to this already because I, I do run a couple times a week in an athletic setting. And no bets, and I don't give a shit, of course. But like sometimes, Gary, it's literally like what you just said. Like I will park at the in the back row of a Fred Meyer or whatever, and be like, I just need to go get fucking candles, and I want to be out of there. And I will. <laughs> it's like why can't I just ambulate faster? Mm -hmm. But like one time, 
I wasn't thinking, and I understand why this is horrible, but one time I I wasn't being menacing or being in her personal space, but I was just running to get to the end of a parking lot faster in my regular ass civilian clothes. And like a woman in front of me like shrieked and I don't blame her at all. Cause like, yeah, it, like <laughs> there's a fucking googly eyed weirdo coming up behind you, like at full speed. Um, I would scream too. And so I, I get that like for certain people in society, especially as, as a man, like just somebody fucking running full bore, like not in civilian clothes and not in like, athletic attire that can be scary but if we take that out of it like come on (laughs) sometimes i just want to be done with this shit faster you know and i have the power to do that whenever i want but society has said no yeah i wouldn't know this damage is yeah you may not have this Ah. so one thing you could one thing you could try you could get a scooter and i think you can go as fast as you want on the scooter and people will still think you're a weirdo but they probably won't be scared of you Mm. Yeah, not only that, I think many will avert their eyes in disgust, which is preferable <laughs> to, to shrieking out my presence. So. Yeah, right. What, what you need is a very fast segue, because some, yeah. some, somehow that's okay. I don't, yeah, I don't. Uh, I it, it's worth examining why, like, if somebody is just like running in in full casual clothes, why I think it's weird. I think something is wrong. Like if that happens, I'm like, oh, yeah. well, it's it's you because know, th- running is like a kind of a pain in the ass. And so people only do it if they really need to, presumably. Generally, like most people, you know, so I, I, yeah. I guess that that's the answer to the question is just kind of most people don't don't do it like they, they're more comfortable with a mosey or a saunter. You know? Amble. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. But you're right. If, even if. I post this question and there are tons of times in a given week and I'm not saying I'm like captain fitness or anything. It's just like literally the impetus is just, I want to be done with this shit and I can shave a minute and a half off of whatever I'm trying to get to. If I jog (laughs) to Mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, But if I see some, anybody else running and they're just wearing like cargo shorts and a fucking polo, I'm like, Oh, something is on fire or something exploded. There's a gas leak or aliens or some shit. Like, I'm not going to think they just want to get there faster. Mm. You know what I mean, it, it's like that same thing. Like as, as freelancers, I think we've all run into like, <laughs> you'll be like downtown or something like grabbing a coffee and running a quick errand at two on a Monday, but everyone's there. And you're just like, what are all these fucking people doing here? But it's like, but you're here. You know, and <laughs> that for locomotion. It's like, how dare you? But I get to do what I want. So, <laughs> I guess what we've unearthed with this last topic is that uh, I'm I'm a huge fucking hypocrite, and I just want society to make way for me at every opportunity, and it won't do it. And that seems inherently unfair. So this is the this is the engineering mindset that I think is really going to help me in the post apocalypse. What you need, Ryan, is some sort of a daily use outfit that looks either like running gear or looks like you're about to miss a bus. Mm. Like some kind of sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, like some kind of pant. Uh, right. <laughs> like a commuter's pant. Right. Right. <laughs> commuter's pant. Or like a, just an easy, an easily resealable Velcro outfit that's like a tearaway and I can have like shorts under it. But I can reassemble it whenever, whenever I get inside Home Depot. Yeah, like rip away pants are no problem, but put on quick pants. Those, those that's the tricky part. You know? <laughs> that's when that technology really falls down on us. <laughs> We're halfway there. Science has found half of the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This feels like a selfish topic on my part because it's just a thing I've dealt with my whole life. Where I'm like, I just want to go faster. Stop looking at me. Just let me go faster. It doesn't concern you. So if I could, if I, I just have to plan my route to anywhere I want to get to so that I'm kind of along public transit lines so it can always look like I'm about to miss something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the way. Or, or like just maybe, okay, how else can I cloak it? Because what if I take out my, my cell phone and I'm just like, Janine, no, wait. And I just like, I, it's as if I'm going to meet somebody somewhere and a relationship is about to end or something. Like yeah. the running through an airport thing, but for but for trying to get to TCBY at the mall or something, can I pull that off? Yes, you just need an, enough material, uh, enough like yelling material, so that you don't repeat yourself before you get far away enough from the person you're passing that they'll hear. You said this. You just said the same thing. 
Oh man. Well, and also if you, if you kept, if you only had like one paragraph you did and you, you know, you live in a neighborhood, so you keep going to the same person or same area. At one point, somebody's going to recognize that you're saying the same things and they're going to feel the most gang stalked that anyone has ever felt gang stalked. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen i know this is crazy but there's one guy who always runs to catch his yogurt like it's a bus and <laughs> he's always breaking up with janine and <laughs> don't know what's going on he's always on his last legs but i swear to god he's trying to get her back like 15 times it can't be possible yeah. man yeah i'm gonna really be somebody something aren't i <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if i keep that going Either you fellas ever do the the fake phone? Like I've I've used the fake phone to get out of stuff. I've like done a version of this. I just improvise. I don't have a thing. But when I leave tw- when I leave like uh, Trader Joe's or something, and there's people there with like newspapers they want to sell, I'm too much of a coward to look them in the eyes like a human being. So I pretend that I'm taking a call like every time. I just have headphones in almost all the time. Yeah, yeah, headphones are good. Totally. You get you did it once to get a what card? Oh, to get out of like a, a sample thing. Like I went to a store and they were like giving out free samples. And then when I got there, I thought I was going to get a sample, but they started doing like a sales pitch. Oh, like, no. like it was really, really rough. It was like, you know, uh, and I, I just, I was like other people had gathered around behind me. So I was kind of trapped, uh, inside this, uh, the sales zone. Uh, so I, I did, did the fake call. I was like, Oh, and I pulled something out of my pocket. I was like, Oh, what they they did? What? No. And then I, I walked away. <laughs> so like, You're talking into a celery stalk. Yeah. I just grabbed anything. Yeah. Your uh, phone is clearly upside down and showing a screenshot of your cat or something. Yeah. yeah this is my lock screen. You know, the, uh, the celery stalk is my lock screen. <laughs> you had some restraint because if I thought I was just going to get a hunk of chicken apple sausage and then someone's trying to fucking rub me into a timeshare, like I, I would be shrieking and breaking shit. So like walking away on a phone is, is, is maybe the most societally appropriate thing you can do. To, to be fair, it was a chicken apples timeshare. So the, um, <laughs> like <laughs> sausage share. Are you guys ready to call it? Yeah. Yeah. I got to make some dinner. This is, this is fun. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. I thought it was about uh, buckets. You've never actually absolved me of where are the buckets are. There buckets? Tell me, there's a fucking bucket right now. Verily, I absolve thee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? I, I forget. I was just, I was just doing a bit, but I'm so tired. Okay, you're still the bucket in my heart, Ryan. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jim. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, um, if this is something that you want out of your life, where can people find you on the internet? Um, people can find me on Twitter. Uh, as previously mentioned, uh, when I signed up for Twitter, I didn't know you could have a cool screen name, so I'm an idiot. And it's just my first name, Ryan, and my last name, Ike, and my job, composer. So, real original. Sorry about it. I I think it is original. I've never seen that pattern anywhere else. I've seen that weirdly, weirdly boring, like can't quite focus my eyes on it uh, collection of uh, phonemes anywhere else before. So, uh, Gary, uh, same question. Um, you can find my work at duckfeed.tv and you can find uh, my Twitter at Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. And at Gary Buh is short for Gary Butterfield Podcaster. we are doing our annual charity live stream uh called duck stream uh where me and cole my partner uh stream for 48 hours over the course of a weekend uh to raise money for the transactive gender center um and uh recording this on trans day of remembrance um i believe As I'm pretty sure that's today. So this is a, it's a good time for that. Um, if you're able to tune in, if you go to duckfeed.tv slash duckstream, you can find that information. Um, and we'd love it if you were able to help out. Uh, it's consistently a highlight of our year. We lose our minds. Uh, you know, staying up for 24 hours is harder and harder. I am very nearly 40 now. Uh, and every year I'm like, boy, I, I shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, and then every year when it gets close, I do it. Have you considered like doing it in shifts instead? Oh, of course. Like that's what that's what the coward Cole Ross does. But I, I, <laughs> I just I feel like part of the uh, the appeal is uh, what happens to people after after twenty four hours of uh, of being awake. I, I the first time I did it, I researched it, 
you you researched the effects of staying up that long on the human body you mean yeah like how yeah exactly like how what should i be prepared for because i hadn't done it since i was like a teen yeah and they were saying the the worst part the the most tired you're gonna feel is around when you would wake up you know like when you when you loop back around uh and and that happened to me and there's some like you know these are video uh on on youtube and stuff and there are some times where i'm just like dour for like an hour because oh yeah that's my body being like oh no this is when you wake up you this this shouldn't be it's like when my body realizes it um <laughs> right but, uh, <laughs> it is uh it's super fun it's gonna be fun this year it's fun every year and uh we've managed to, to raise a lot of money for them and they're an awesome awesome organization so all right, you guys have uh, anything else? You have, you have like a cool tagline you want to close out with? Oh my god, you what did this to me last time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like this is my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you? Uh, here's what I would like for for you to do. Okay. And I give you if you actually do this, which you won't, because you're mm-hmm. a coward. But if you mm-hmm. actually do, I will give you permission to edit from my previous dialogue in this episode, if you can cobble together a tagline, even if it's apocalyptically embarrassing. From your dialogue specifically. Yes. Or anyone's. Uh, but make it... I, I don't give permission to that. <laughs> <laughs> just, do a, just do a real deep fake on Gary and get him to sound like he's <laughs> endorsing libertarianism. Right. Yeah. The topic is ISIS. ISIS is good. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can discuss the episodes at the Topic Lords subreddit at r slash Topic Lords. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can find me on the Fediverse as mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. Also, I'm on Twitter. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.